Hello, listening world, whatever you want to call yourselves, whether you're podcast people, YouTube people, whatever you are, thanks for listening. Welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. I'm Steven. And I'm Dakota. And tonight, we're going to do a little different of an episode. We're still going to talk about some movies, maybe do a little bit of review on them, but it's going to be an episode about remakes, maybe kind of reboots, but mostly what we're talking about here on this episode, they're, they're more or less legitimate remakes. And we're just going to go into, we're, we kind of were inspired by the idea of, they're remaking everything. Just this summer alone, how many remakes were there? A lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had uh, Poltergeist, you had Fantastic uh, Four, you uh, had, uh, oh man, now I'm blanking out, but there was like a couple others. Technically, um, not really a remake, just a sequel, Mad Max. Yeah, we had Mad, that was the other one I was thinking of too, Mad Max, and then, I mean, the list goes on and on in the past, and the list is going on and on in the future, what they're planning on remaking. I mean, just Disney alone is doing live-action remakes of nearly all of their princess classics. I'm waiting for the And date. Winnie the Pooh! <laughs> How do you make a live-action Winnie the Pooh? I was gonna say, we also have the Peanuts gang coming back. And there is a Peanuts movie, which isn't really a remake, but... It is kind of crazy. They're just pulling everything out. Any way they can use something old. I'm waiting for them to remake Old Yeller, personally. <laughs> that way I could take my mom to see it. I want to see a live-action Bambi. <laughs> I just want to see them be, I just want to see Bambi's mom just get shot down. Mother! Mother! <laughs> wow. Terrible. That's, that's, that's pretty dark, man. That movie makes me angry, but for a lot of different reasons from other people. It makes me angry because it makes hunters look like terrible people. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we're going to talk about some remakes, some bad. Mostly bad. <laughs> and some good. But some good. But the, ar- yeah, and that's the thing. The argument here is going to be, like, are remakes a good idea? And are there any good ones? I mean. Mostly they're bad I'm going to argue, yeah, my, my confession right off the get-go is that I had a tough time thinking of a remake that I thought was legitimately, I could say, that was better than the original. Um, it does happen, and and there are some, but yeah, so we're going to go into that. So first, we're going to talk about the bad, because it's better to end with, with good things, with happy thoughts. I'm a nice man with happy thoughts. Um, and just remember, guys, don't kill the messenger. We're just telling you how it is. These are... These are strictly our opinions, as they put at the beginning of, of all movies. These are the opinions of the people saying them. But we think you'll agree. But, you know, if we say a bad one and you still want to watch it, we warned you. <laughs> so, Dakota, um, what's, a, what's an original movie that had a remake and you just went, why did they remake this? This was a terrible mistake. What do you got? Well, <laughs> sorry, I I almost, I keep forgetting that. He was literally just staring at his microphone, it was so great. Oh, good God. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. There's, there's so many out there to choose from. There are a ton of good movies that have just had really horrible, horrible remakes. Uh, Poltergeist. 
uh, probably being the big one. That I don't think you could ever top that. Um, another one is... Oh, gosh. Another one that came out uh, that I was thinking about is obviously RoboCop. Um, but the one I am going with, the one that actually made me mad that they made was Red Dragon. And for those of you sitting there like, what is Red Dragon? Or what? there was an original Red Dragon? <laughs> it was masked in a different title. Okay. Um, years in years ago, when most of you weren't born, <laughs> a book was written. Oh, we're just we little lads. <laughs> a book was written called Red Dragon, and it was about a FBI profiler. He profiled serial killers named Will Graham, and he hunted them down. And he was kind of he was in his own way. He was a monster hunter. It was like, you know, he was a knight that went out, slayed the dragon, saved saved the maiden. It was kind of a modern-day Van Helsing, even, in a way, too. He went out and... Yeah, yeah. He found their weaknesses and stopped them. Yeah, and unfortunately, he spent some time away, because one day he realized he was he himself was becoming a monster, because he was enjoying killing these people. But that... This is just all in the book. Um, mostly this book is famous because it showcased very minorly the character of Dr. Hannibal Lecter. He shows up, I think, and it's like eight pages of the book. And it, the book really has nothing to do with him. He's just a side character. It takes place in the same universe with some of the same other people around. Yeah, yeah this is, this is the forerunner to what became Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> but uh, what happened was, in the 80s, um, Michael Mann got a hold of the script and actually turned it into a pretty good movie. And as Michael Mann was wont to do, he kind of, he kind of infused it with a lot of... Uh, kind of like he did with Miami Vice. He... he he laid it on thick in the 80s culture, so there's some people that have seen the movie, it bothers them, like the clothing, the music, Danny Elfman did the music on this one, um, and just the general feel, the tone, it it's dated. It, yes, it's, it is a product of its time in you, a lot of ways. You can... Like Madonna, circa 1988-86. You could definitely tell this is pure 80s. Yep. However, the story, just just the actors... Still it a good was, story. It was all incredible. Good William, actors. William Peterson, every scene he was in. Dennis Farina. This is one of those... I, I always held esteem for him, even when, unfortunately, he passed away. Who's that? Dennis Farina? Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. He was actually really good in this. Uh, everybody, just amazing. Tom Noonan scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and this is before I saw him in Last Action Hero, where he really scared the crap out of me. <laughs> That's right. He was in Last Action Hero. Yep. Um, oh, then I'm, I'm having trouble here. What? What Brian is... Brian Cox? Yes, Brian Cox did a really good job of... Playing Dr. Hannibal Lecter. He was the original Hannibal Lecter. A little uh, Jeopardy trivia for you if you didn't know that. Uh, so much so that that is actually why Miles Gibson hired him for Braveheart. 
Yes. He saw him in the movie Manhunter and was like, wow, this guy's a pretty good actor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire him for my movie. Yeah, he gave him the part of uh, his uncle. Yeah. He played William Wallace's uncle. And, and Brian Cox is Scottish, so he fit yeah. right in. And, uh, yeah, he's one of those character actors who can just sink into anything. Even if it's a terrible movie, like, uh, uh, what was that one? Super Troopers. <laughs> no, with Johnny Knoxville pretending to be dumb, oh, dumb oh, for the oh, Special Olympics. Good, good he Lord. plays Johnny Knoxville's uncle in that movie. It's just a stupid, dumb comedy, whatever. The Ringer. Thank yeah. you. There I thought of it. And it was a guy just trying to pretend to be dumb. <clears throat> you know the word we can't use. <laughs> to win the Special Olympics. And, and Brian Cox, I mean, you even buy him as the sleazeball uncle in there. Yeah. I mean, he's just one of those guys who sinks into roles, but yeah. The the funny thing about, this is more Brian Cox-related stuff, is he showed up in the character Red Eye, and in the movie you think he's going to be a victim. Unfortunately, the people that think that don't know who Brian Cox is, and he actually turns the tables on this guy that comes to kill him. Which yeah. it was, it was. I was just sitting there like, yeah, I knew he was gonna get out of that situation. <laughs> he was uh, William Stryker in X Men Two. Very, I mean, yeah, he's a guy you've seen around. Uh, William Peterson, you probably know him from CSI. Yeah, no, the the actor I was having trouble thinking of. She played the the blind lady in this. She's kind of. Oh. That's right. Uh, I don't. She's she's become somewhat popular the the last decade. I'm having trouble hearing, uh, remembering her name, but, uh, like I said, just a very solid cast, and each one of them did an amazing job. Is it, uh, uh, Joan Allen? Yes, Joan Allen. So, yeah. And, but yes, so you had this, yes, product of its time movie, but then it was remade in 2006, seven. Maybe eight? A while ago. Yeah. 2000. Yeah, somewhere in that kind of mid-2000 range or whatever. And they called it Red Dragon. Which was the title of the book. Yeah. And the movie... 2002. What? Oh, yeah, it was older than we thought. But pretty much the only reason they claim this movie was made for, you know, they just wanted to be more faithful to the book, but really they just wanted to put Hannibal Lecter on the screen some more. That's what I took away from it, and they ripped off... They ripped off Manhunters so much. I mean... Even some of the lines were, like, the same. Yeah. Like, things... I know it's it's the same story, but there are some shots that are, they took directly from Manhunter. Yeah. Like... The scene, there's a scene where this lady, um, there's a tiger laying on an operating table, and this blind lady comes in and just kind of feels the fur of it and and gets to gets to actually touch the tiger. That scene is almost shot for shot, just how it happened in Manhunter. And it, it just, it bothered me. It's like, wow. And it's another example of you had decent actors... But it was just unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, you had... Well, like you said, what's weird is who got top billing in a movie that didn't really have Hannibal Lecter in it? Yeah. Anthony Hopkins yeah. playing Hannibal Lecter. But then the Will Graham role was Edward Norton. Red Dragon role was Ray Fiennes. Harvey Keitel was in this. 
I mean, there were people that were good. You could say one of the... Brett Ratner directed it. I'll just yeah. put it that way. He hasn't really directed much of anything that I've really cared for or I've thought has been really good. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Well, the one X-Men movie he directed has now been disavowed from disavowed. continuity. Nice Vision Impossible word. Um... Yeah, just, uh, and I, I'm agreeing with Dakota on this one, uh, we happen to agree here, where it was just like, um, even if you haven't seen Manhunter, Red Dragon just still isn't a good movie. Yeah. Even, just, I mean, just as a movie, it's just not a good movie, but then when you see, uh, Manhunter, which is, yeah, it's, it's an 80, but it's, it's a good 80s crime yeah. movie. Um, yikes. And it's, the tone of it from the get-go is just creepy, because it starts off with, you see this creeper van parked outside a house, next thing you know, you see, like, a flashlight turn on, and then somebody walking up the stairs in the dark, and it's like, okay, and this ominous music is just playing while this is going on, and then... And then the flashlight enters this bedroom, and you see a couple laying there. And then it just cuts to black, and you're like, it's like, I don't know what just happened, but I don't think those people are doing too well right now. And it's, there's some very beautiful cinematography in this movie, um, which was kind of missing from Red Dragon. Like, there's some scenes along the beach where you just see the skyline, it's beautiful, and just, like, there's some really good shots in this movie. And... Like I said, Danny Elfman did the music for this, but there's... The pop music he did for this is just really kind of... We gotta remember, uh, Danny Elfman also did the music for the original Batman in 1989, which the the soundtrack in that is pretty dated, too. Yeah. I mean, it's really 80s. But the pop music he made for this is just... You could kind of do without it, but... <laughs> and then you have Tom Noonan, who just is... From the moment you see him, he's just kind of creepy looking it's this tall he's this tall guy with these very like striking features he has really pale skin too and he has this like cold dead stare like if he looked at you you just kind of felt like oh he's picturing me locked in his basement torturing me yeah but everything about the movie just worked i mean michael mann is probably one of the better directors there ever was. He's done some good movies. I liked uh, Last of the Leakins. Oh, yeah. With Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, that was good. A lot of people liked Collateral. I had mixed feelings about Collateral. Yeah. Two-thirds um, of that movie's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, there's Dakota. Mine, we're going to come to me. My, I'm doing Psycho. I'll just put it that way. All right, man. Let's tell tell us tell us what you got. Okay, Psycho. Anybody who know, everybody knows at least one aspect of Psycho, and it's the Class. music with the stabbing shower scene. It's a classic. It's a bona fide classic. It's a movie you literally can now say is a classic. It stood the test of time. Oh my gosh! Every movie since has tried to duplicate it, especially. Soon after it came out, there was a lot of movies released that really tried to duplicate Psycho and just couldn't do it. It was so... It was a passion project for Alfred Hitchcock. He The 
I think the only thing that ever came close was um, John Carpenter kind of ripped off the the more frightening parts of the story to make Halloween. Right. But he, I think he tried to. He, yeah, Psycho was kind of a a slasher film before slasher films were around, but it was just a passion project for Alfred Hitchcock. I, I think the it's a slasher film before because it's not really a slasher. It's a it's a suspense. It's a suspense masterpiece movie where every scene matters every scene has meat on the bone man i mean he wanted he read the book he wanted it done he put up the money himself to get it done and everyone was totally invested you had anthony perkins who people are like why did you pick him (laughs) it was he was one of the original like because this guy had done mostly like comedy kind of stuff before it and here he was now playing kind of this creepy figure of Norman Bates. And you had uh, Janet Lee playing Mary Crane. Uh, you had... Uh, uh, blanking out on her name. Well, he had his own daughter have a little little part in it, but um, Alfred Hitchcock's own daughter had a, had a small part in it. But it was just one of those movies that like I said, every aspect of it just, uh, Vera Miles, that's the name I was trying to think of, she plays kind of the other, um, woman, and, and, um, John Gavin kind of plays, uh, Janet Lee, she, he plays Janet Lee's boyfriend in it, but the movie is just so, like I said, intense, and it holds your attention, and it's so well done, and when it's over, you're like, wow! You know, it's it's what one a of movie. Those, it's one of those movies. I mean, there's there's no movie out there that doesn't have something wrong with it, or but that movie is nearly flawless, and it sticks with you. You remember it, and that's why people want to duplicate it because they want to make a movie that sticks like that. And so, what does Universal do in 1998? They allow someone to try and remake this. Granted, <laughs> there have been other, you know, people have remade movies and they've been maybe arguably as good or maybe better. You know, we'll get into that. But sometimes with like this, it's like, it's almost, it's really a timeless movie in a way. Like nothing in the movie. It's not like you need to like update it for a new audience, which is what they thought they were doing. But it's like, why? Yeah. Just show them the old one. <laughs> yeah. But the other interesting thing is, is Gus Van Sant, who's already kind of a quirky director, is the one who did this new Psycho, and nothing worked. Nothing. Nothing worked. First off, he tried to make it in a way, scene for, shot for shot, the original Psycho, which... Is where he went wrong. Which is partially where he went wrong. Wong. He went wrong. He went wrong because it was shot for shot pretty much like the original. And yet at the same time, he tried to throw in his his own kind of artistic flares to it. And it just made it bizarre and and very strange in parts. His other flaw would be having Anne Heche as Marion Crane and Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates. Wow. Vince Vaughn, I'd say, is is the biggest miscast as Norman Bates. He just doesn't work at all. 
he's just like sits there and the way he's creepy is to like i don't know he's always like i think he's always like throwing something like i don't know he's just weird he just it doesn't yeah. work it's just he wasn't even awkwardly creepy at all it was just it was like what are you doing man what are you doing yeah and and you know like just like in the original there's like a couple little parts done by like a detective and a and a guy who plays a police officer, and and they had those, you know, William H Macy played like that detective of country, and and he's a good actor, he's a good actor, and what he did was fine, but he was stuck in this terrible movie, you know, for his his little scene, you can't really blame movie on him, him so much, but ah, oh, just nothing worked, and you had a few people who who have acting chops, you had Julianne Moore as the worried sister, and Viggo Mortensen. And like I mentioned, William H. Macy in these parts. But it's just like... It was just... I don't even know what to say. It was just a bad, bad idea. And... And it proved it. it I mean... It proved himself, itself after the fact to be a really terrible idea. Um, Gus Van Sant, I guess, has rebounded since. He has, he's never really done anything I've cared for. Um, I think that was the last time he did a big budget Hollywood movie too, because everything he mostly does independent. Yeah, I think I think he. And so yeah, and I don't know if it's because of Psycho that he was kind of hurt by the, I don't know. It was just a bad idea, and it, and it, I re- highly recommend the nineteen sixty Psycho that Alfred Hitchcock did. Um, and Alfred Hitchcock is not that that guy. I mean, all of his movies have a certain flair and vision, but. He, I mean, it's not like everything he made was perfect either. He made some not great movies, but he also made some really good movies. Um, besides Psycho, you know, North by Northwest is good. Rear Window, Notorious. Um, if you want to go really old, Sabotage is pretty good. Um, I I forgot. I the forgot. Lady Vanishes, Thirty Nine. I mean, he maybe he did make, but I mean, there's still some dicks in there. But there was a movie that was remade, Rear Rear Window. Yeah, well, even even as, Alfred Hitchcock, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock remade one of his own movies. He remade The Man Who Knew Too Much. Oh, really? It was a British movie. He re- originally did a British movie, and then he remade it with uh, Jimmy Stewart. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, I think he did have a few few of his movies. He kind of remade them for the American audience. Wow. Um. So, uh. Yeah, and really. You could say his re- his own remake was better than the original. Just because part of it was <laughs> wow. Part only, of it was just because maybe I am American and only Hitchcock can outdo Hitchcock. He outdid himself. <laughs> no, um, yeah. So anyway, those are our our uh, movies that never should have been made. And you can add to this list forever. There's a lot of remakes that never should have happened. But why dwell in the dirt when you can start looking at some winners, some ones that, you know, they weren't so bad. And, I mean, I, these aren't ones we're going to, like, talk about too long, but some of the ones I also thought of that I thought, me, maybe this doesn't even decode necessarily, thought were better than the original were, um, if you want to get into, like, the romantic comedy-type realm, I thought the, the Sabrina that they redid. Oh, um, yeah. With Harrison Ford and Greg Kinnear was better than the William Holden and Audrey Hepburn one. Um... Father of the Bride. I thought the Steve Martin oh, Diane Keaton yeah. one was better than the Spencer Tracy one, although the old one has certain whatever. And in, in fact, Father of the Bride Part Two was a remake to the sequel of, fa- the, of the other Father of the Bride that was called Father's Little Dividend. 
And so, oh, good lord, yeah. I forgot about that. And so, I mean, those are still good. I just prefer the new ones. You may disagree. That's fine. Miracle on 34th Street was remade. Um, the reason that one is good is just because Richard Attenborough is great. Uh, he was just good at playing Chris Kringle. Um, you could argue, you know, a lot of people have a lot of nostalgic reasons with the old one. <laughs> you know, and, and so, I mean, there are ones that are, like, at least just as good. You know, some people argue about where Ocean's Eleven stands compared to, you know, like, was the Rat Pack one better than the one with, you know, George Clooney and Brad Pitt and stuff. You know, I mean, we've been remaking movies forever. Yeah, this is this is nothing new. This is, yeah, this is... Definitely nothing new. It's just that lately, uh, it's just crazy how many a year are. It's not just like one or two a year. It's like, you know, like a dozen plus a year are remakes. Yeah, well, uh, we kind of brought this up when we when we did our our critique of Terminator, but you could kind of argue that Terminator was a remake of oh yeah some stuff, but we won't go into that. Yeah. So, Dakota, what is your remake that, in your opinion, is better than the original? Oh, the, this is the one I kind of, I kind of, there's so many out there I could have picked. Uh, a more recent one, Man of Steel, love the movie. And I'm not saying it's better than the Christopher Reeve one, because <laughs> it's not. I'm sorry, Zack Snyder, it's not. However, it is a hell of a lot better than Superman Returns. Yeah. If you compare it to Superman Returns, I think most of us can agree that Man of Steel was better. <laughs> it's like, Brian Singer, where where did you go wrong, man? You got our hopes well, up. I'll tell you where he went wrong, is that he tried to keep it attached to the Christopher Reeve ones. Yeah. That was a mistake. When Marlon Brando is the best thing about your movie, and he's dead. <laughs> no. Yeah, you know, you know, you got, you know, you got problems, man. Yeah. Um, well, there's that one. Um, another one, Dawn of the Dead. I know there's some horror purists out there who are like, "How dare you bring us his head?" But you know what? <laughs> George Romero is king. <laughs> yeah, but the Dawn of the Dead remake. It was actually really good. Zack Snyder. Yeah. B- before he was Zack Snyder, he was <laughs> he was kind of out there doing his own thing. But that one, you know, kind of introduced us to the, the fast-moving zombie. Yep. And that one was actually really good. Not a lot of people thought it was going to be good either. A lot of people were kind of hating on it before it came out. Came out, blew everyone away. Also reintroduced Johnny Cash to a lot of people. Yeah. With its opening song. Um, oh, what were, what were some other remakes we went into? Uh, Magnificent Seven. Yeah. One Steven, Steven's in love with. It's a good, good Western movie. It was a remake, actually, of a, of a movie called Seven Samurai. Um, so it's kind of a, Which there are a loose some- remake. There are some film purists out there who are probably demanding your head right now, too. Oh, I'm sure. That's fine. Because, oh, Seven Samurai, greatest movie ever made. Yul Brenner and Stephen Queen can kick anybody's butt, so. Yeah, Yul Brenner (laughs) was the man. Charles Bronson. Him and that sexy bald head of his. (laughs) Uh, Okay, but one one I picked 
just because at this point in time it is it has its own cult that follows it and rightly so it completely eclipsed the original one is little shop of horrors interesting pick yeah one you probably a lot of you <laughs> out there wouldn't have necessarily thought of and not only is this a remake but i like how they took something and did their own thing with it I think that's that's how these these sequels or these remakes do better than the original one. They take the original one and not necessarily just completely pave over it or try to do better, but add to it. And I yeah. think I think because the the original Little Shop of Horrors kind of kind of B movie ish, <laughs> very you know it had the the talking plant you know that was thirsty for blood. But very cheesy and very predictable. Whereas Little Shop of Horrors, oh man. Like, I saw this when I was a kid, and I would be, like, sitting there singing the songs. I used to I used to go up to my mom and be like, feed me, Seymour, feed me. Which would just annoy her to no end. Um, but it's just one of those movies that just completely, I think, eclipsed the original and did an amazing job, you know, I can't talk right now, Rick Moranis, not a leading man in anyone by any standards, but he completely, completely pulled it off for this movie, and of course... That uh, gets me to watch any movie. Two words, Rick Moranis. (laughs) Dude's awesome. And then you have Steve Martin as a psychopathic dentist, just... (laughs) Amazing job. Um, of course, you had like John Candy show up, and pretty much everybody who was on Saturday Night Live in the seventies showed up in this movie. All the good ones, anyway. You even you even saw. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of his name here. James Belushi. Yeah, you you even saw James Belushi show up, and. You know, it all worked. You had, uh, I think his name was Cleavon Little, do the voice of the plant. Audrey, too. And he's actually a really good singer. And he kind of pulled off, you know, the movie's, the movie's campy. But it's all, it's all really good fun. I mean, and, and the fact that it's, I mean, you show this here to small children. It's not going to, like, traumatize them or anything. <laughs> At least, at least, at least around ten. <laughs> I'd go about ten and above. Uh, but I don't know, and that's one of that has to be hands down one of my favorite musicals too. Which did you sum a few bars? <laughs> Do you know any songs? You you don't want me to sing. You, <laughs> I I will not sing. We want to hear you sing. Oh, I can hear him chanting. I can hear him out there. Oh, in the podcast verse chanting. Sing, sing. Sorry to let you down, guys. <laughs> Sorry to let you down. Okay, yeah. Little Sh- I actually know very little about Little Shop Wars, so I have nothing to add to you. But is there anything else you'd like to say about it? They have a retry making this movie. I will hunt <laughs> them down and kill them. You mean besides the stage production? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frank, Frank Oz is still alive. He could remake it himself. You know, he actually... He there. remade the Stepford Wives. That was a mistake. <laughs> he actually has a director cut, which ends like pretty, pretty just depressing. 
the plant pretty much takes over the world in this guy. It's like it's like when you watch the alternate ending for uh, just a stupid Ben Stiller comedy, Dodgeball. The director of that wanted it to end where the average Joes don't win. <laughs> it's like if it would have ended there, that would have been hilarious. It's been like the most depressing comedy ever. But <laughs> you know what they Chuck could... Norris saves the day. You know what they could have done? They could have had them lose, but at the end you find out Vince Vaughn character bet his entire life savings on them to lose. Oh, that would have been terrible though, because then so, he would have like ew. So they would have been they would have been rich, <laughs> but they would have lost. So really, they would have won because they would have had all that money. Heavy thoughts. So anything more on uh, Little Shop? If you haven't seen it, get out there and see it. And when was that made? Is that a oh it was seventies? Oh no, it was the eighties. Um, not sure on the actual year. I want to say eighty seven. No. Oh okay. No, maybe earlier than that. Hmm. Yeah, I have never seen it. Just know I've just heard of it. Know little things about it. No, Rick Moranis had the plant, and uh, you know what's odd? A lot of those movies were actually remade. The, orig- the original Little Shop of Horrors was kind of one of those those horror movies with the thing from outer space that came to terrorize came to terrorize America. Yeah, like the Blob. Yeah, <laughs> which was also remade. Wait, oh, hey, that was remade. Yeah, jeepers. But, <coughs> the thing. <coughs> yeah, and that's the thing. To go into my remake, I am going with the thing. Uh, the original one was a was a one of the fifties sci-fi early 50s sci-fi um and they they had the thing but it was the thing from another world is kind of the technical title of it but it was considered in advance in certain ways because they the way they did the the dialogue in the movie was something that steven spielberg utilizes a lot where where it wasn't so like i say my line then you say your line this was one of the, like, early movies to utilize kind of the, it didn't feel so script as much as just, like, conversation. Like, kind of almost, not necessarily talking over people, but, um, you know, the conversation just felt really alive and real. And it was one of the first movies to kind of utilize that a little bit. And so some people remember it for that, too. But, um, yeah, the gist of the, of the thing is, scientists down at a, at an outpost in Antarctica. I station zebra. Yeah, they come across <laughs> a, uh, a a thing. They come across a a thing that ends up being a spaceship, and it has an organism in it, and that organism um, basically just keeps growing off of eating them. <laughs> is basically what's going on, and yeah, like I said, and the so it's it's basically a bloodthirsty alien movie but what's what the other interesting thing about the original is that James Arness plays the thing and a lot of people know him as uh the marshal in Gunsmoke oh yeah but yeah. He, this was like an early role for him and he played he played the thing in it and uh and yeah i mean if you like 50 sci-fi that's definitely one to check out right alongside The Day of the Earth Stood Still. But then John Carpenter comes along and in the 80s decides to remake it. 
And he takes it to this whole new level of just craziness. <laughs> uh, he used his uh, sweetheart in it. He used Kurt Russell, who has a sweet giant beard <laughs> in the movie because they're in Antarctica. And uh, you got, who else we got in this? Wilford Brimley, another known guy who's in it, who literally does go nutty. <laughs> who had a sweet mustache in it, but that's kind of He always of had a sweet mustache. And I don't know if this was pre-diabetes or post-diabetes, but he's got diabetes, I know that. Um, and so, yeah, I again, it follows the same plot line as the original. It's just that this movie was just... Uh, Wow. A lot more throwing for a lot of reasons. The way he shot scenes was interesting. Um, oh, yeah. There's that. The opening shot. There's by a. By itself. There's a lot of just interesting. Um, just a lot of interesting. The way he decided to shoot, like, some. It almost is reminiscent of, you could say, Alien, where there, it's kind of a claustrophobic. They don't know what to do <laughs> type movie like that. Um, but the other thing that's interesting about uh, the John Carpenter one is that they don't, you know, they get more into, like, they don't know who they can trust. Because they don't, like, the, the organism could take the likeness of one of them, and so they don't know who's some of the, And so it, it, it has this real intensity to it in a lot of scenes where it's like I don't they don't trust me and I don't trust them and then there's a scene where they do the blood test and uh man that's just like a really intense yeah. scene where they're trying to see whose blood react they're seeing if anybody's blood reacts you know so they'll know they're an organism and that just ends up being you know it's a really intense scene for a lot of reasons um the newer one is a little gorier <laughs> or a lot gorier than the 1950s one um, but yeah, I just, I just found it to be a lot more satisfying of a claustrophobic thriller. Plus the effects in that movie will, if it, if they don't get to you, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, it was like, they're practical, but they're not like stupid looking 80s practical. Yeah. They're like, so practical they feel real in certain shots. Um, where it just kind of gets to you there. And then, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know if you're into kind of creepy, isolated type movies like that. I mean, it's a good one. Kurt Russell, like I said, you know, he's good in the, you know, everybody's good. And a lot of the other ones are kind of not really famous actors. They're just, they're, I, I don't know. It, it seems like a lot of the other guys, it's like the only real movie they did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's also a scene in it where they come across another station that has dealt with this organism before, and then they actually made a prequel a few years back that's about that station. Do you remember that? But they just yeah. they just called it The Thing. Which? They just called it The Thing, but it was really a prequel to the Kurt Russell one about that other station they came across, and so it was really goofy. Um, so yeah, just make sure... If you're going to watch one of those, you watch the 80s one. <laughs> or the 50s. Like I said, this is bad. It's just that the 80s one is just, wow. It takes it to a new level. Um, you know, I'm almost surprised they never made a sequel to the thing. Because they could have. They, they did a video game for it where 
you know, this, this group, I, I don't know what they were, but an armed group of people came, came looking to see what, what went wrong at these two places. And then all, all heck, bro <laughs> all heck broke loose. And you were pretty much all on your own with the flamethrower. I think it's kind of, it's kind of one of those where John Carpenter maybe wasn't inspired to do a sequel. And I think the reason they did a prequel was they were trying to find an angle to have some sort of, like, twist. Because it just feels like if you do a prequel, it's how you're not just rehashing the first one. And even with the prequel that they did a few years back, I didn't see it. But it still felt like a rehash, because it was basically just another outpost in Antarctica dealing with the organism. But hey, they were dealing with the organism first. And so it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, well, how do you do it if you really don't have an idea or where do you do the thing where it leaves Antarctica and goes somewhere more populated and and again that's been done like oh you know it's the sequel where it's not just going to be one little group of people in the jungle but New York <laughs> you know or something like that and so you mean like they did with Predator yeah exactly where it's like it's, yeah I just described Predator I didn't realize it <laughs> it's, like, it's not just the commandos in the jungle it's now Danny Glover running around New York <laughs> And the Predator finding more spines for trophies. <laughs> and Danny Glover going, mm, mm, Predator, mm, Predator. <laughs> did you like Predator too? I did. That's one of my favorite ones out of all of them, really. Wow. Well, it's better than Alien vs. Predator, <laughs> a.k.a. AVP. None of those Alien vs. Predator movies were good. <laughs> well, well, that's right. They made Alien. Oh, yeah. Alien vs. Predator Requiem? The darkest movie ever made. <laughs> Oh, man, I forgot about that one. That's so dark, I couldn't even see what was going on. Um. So, yeah, again, we say you're talking about remakes forever, but we're not on this episode. This episode has to end at some point. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but those are just some ones that, you know, stick out to us. Um, it's easy. You could talk about horror remakes forever because they remake every horror movie. What's tricky is, uh, you know, that's why I wanted to bring up ones like Sabrina, Miracle 34th Street, um, Father of the Brides, is that there there are remake, you know, I mean, Oliver Twist, Christmas Carol, there's ones like that, that any William Shakespeare, they're going to just keep redoing till the end of time, because we love him for some reason. Um, you know, they're just always happening, and you can just talk about them forever, and they're always going to keep happening. Well, the thing with Red Dragon is they tried to say, well, it's not really a remake because it's based off a book. And I think I think Hollywood kind of uses excuses like that to get away with remakes. Yeah, like, yeah. Because, I mean, the Avengers movies are probably the biggest, some of the biggest movies ever made. Well, there's no probably about it, they are. But eventually there's going to come a time when they're going to have to kind of reboot them all. Yeah, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, they're not going to be doing these parts till the day they die. I yeah, there'll be a new generation to start it over with. Yep. Yeah, I mean, even even Hugh Jackman is already talking about calling it quits for Wolverine, so expect a Wolverine reboot here soon. Yep. Yep. Yeah, who's going to fill his shoes? Who's going to who's going to be the new Iron Man? Who's going to be the new Captain America? Yep. Are they just going to actually put him on the shelf for a little bit? Since they're owned by Disney, I'm going to give that probably a big fat no. Yeah. Disney doesn't, Disney doesn't like to have things just sit around. They, um, yeah, I think... Except for Tron, apparently. 
they're doubling down on Star Wars and superheroes right now. Yeah, I mean, man, they got like six Star Wars movies in the pipeline, although you could say five since Force Awakens is basically done, according to Abrams, except for a little touch-ups. Um, but yeah, there's no end in sight. Um, I mean, good lord, I just heard the other day that they want to start like another franchise for, uh, uh, what was it? You know, they did Lego now, and I heard something about a Play-Doh franchise. You know, they're just trying to... <laughs> um, just crazy. And Harry Potter, you know, they're doing another Harry Potter, but it's not Harry Potter. Fantastic Beasts movie. And so, yeah, there's just, I mean, there's I think sequels, remakes galore. I think they'll let the Harry Potter franchise kind of kind of cool off for a while before they but try anything. they haven't. <laughs> they're making that Fantastic Beast. It just won't be Harry Potter. That's kind of based so. off the, the little side book she wrote, right. though. Yeah, right. But that universe is always going to have something. Unless so. unless she decides to do what Ian Fleming did and just keep writing stories about Harry Potter as an adult. like. Well, you can always do Harry's kid now. Harry Potter travels to Africa. Harry Potter in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter and his crazy vacation. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Arab Spring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. Um, cause they will be made into movies. <laughs> so on that note, I think we'll wrap it up. Remember we are on Facebook and Twitter. Check those out. Subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, whatever you want to. Please leave us reviews, comments, critiques, how much you hate us, how much you mediocrely like us, <laughs> whatever it happens to be. Um, you, yeah. you tolerate us. Yeah, just tolerate us. We're easy listening for the commuting trip or your walk to work, whatever you happen to do. Jogging on the treadmill will make you jog faster when you're mad at us for saying that certain remakes were better than the originals or whatever have you. Um, yeah, so hopefully you are um, doing those things um, just so you know when the new stuff is out and we can... Um, let you know about it through that stuff so uh yeah utilize that and uh we'll catch you next time so this is steven and this is dakota see you later yeah.